right, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Honest Defense Podcast. I am Eric Servone. Today, I am honored to be joined by David Plastic. David is a photographer who has worked with the biggest music acts of the 1980s, Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Aerosmith, all of them. Uh, but I got in touch with David after reading Brother Sam about one of my favorite comedians, Sam Kinison. The book was written by Sam's brother, Bill. And David got to know Sam during the peak of Sam's career in the late 80s. I told David I had to hear more about his stories with Sam. So, David, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. You're welcome. So, David, let's first get started. I want to hear how you got into photography and how you started working with bands. Um, it was I grew up in New York City. Um, I, I started going to concerts when I was 14. I lived right in Manhattan, lived, which is the mecca of um, concerts, Madison Square Garden. Started going to concerts, was heavily into music. Um, when I was 16, my father wasn't so happy about me with my long hair and me with my uh, going to concerts all the time. So he tried to steer me in a different direction and bought me a camera. And not not intended for rock and roll use, not intended for concert use. But I did what I, I guess I just brought it to a concert. And... Um, it was a concert in Central Park. Um, they had these doc. They had a Dr Pepper music festival in Central Park, nineteen eighty. Um, first band I went to see was Jefferson Starship. Um, at that time, they had Mickey Thomas and vocals. Uh, no Grace Slick. Just they had their hit Jane and all that stuff. And and I I took it. I had decent seats. I didn't know how to use a camera. Just kind of learned. Took a few pictures, you know. We had film back then. It was a different game. Um, it, you didn't have the pleasure of knowing what you got, knowing how to do things, seeing your finished photo within seconds, and all that kind of stuff. You know, you took a roll of film, you brought it to get it developed, to see it in a few days, and you get excited when you see your picture. It's like, wow, you know, look at that. You know, you the that that excitement is unfortunately gone. But that's what I did. And I learned from that. And I, you know, I got a few good pictures. I really only knew how to take pictures um, horizontally or what they call landscape. Didn't even know you could hold the picture, hold the camera sideways uh, and take portrait shots and so on. You know, all my shots were like that. And they were, you know, I was a little farther away. I was just a fat, a kid. I was 16 years old. I was a I was a kid with a camera basically at at a concert and back then you know you could walk in with cameras back then it really wasn't if you tried you could get in if you, they it may have said on the ticket no cameras no recording no videos but they let you in and from there I you know I started kept going to concerts bring my camera and I started getting good at it um, I would sell my photos i would follow what other people i'd see doing i'd see people selling picture their pictures other photographers selling their pictures in front of concerts i started doing that started going to swap meets flea markets rock and roll flea market kind of things uh sell my pictures there brought it to a few record stores sell my photos there uh, all that kind of stuff i try to get into try to get published but i was a little shy i didn't really know how to get things published um, I would, I was get very heavily into music and, um, I started getting the hard rock, heavy metal music. And in 1981, I went on a trip to Europe with my parents, family, family vacation. And I got to see my very first concert in England, um, band called Rainbow was playing a Rainbow Theater, kind of a unique kind of, um, event but um and i basically brought my camera and i made some friends in england and they invited me to come back to england because i you know just we we're music fans that's how thing people did things back then it wasn't there was no internet there was no things like that and um and i and so i'm still young i'm 17 years old i'm a teenager come back the next year for a big festival in england um during during the summer right when i graduated college i'm sorry graduated high school uh so in between going to high school and going to college i already was going to college in, at the university of hartford starting in september but during the summer in august i went to england 
started shooting a few concerts. So, you know, by then I was also shooting everywhere else, but but that was like a big step forward. And again, I wasn't a professional. I was just a kid with a camera and I went to a few uh, festivals, took some shots there, brought back a lot of film, brought back a lot of pictures, furthered myself in taking pictures. Uh, come the next year, 83, I'm a big fan of Gary Moore, guitar player, uh, who's no longer with us. Uh, he was he spent some time at Thin Lizzy and a few other things. He had a few blues albums. I see him at a show. I went to see him with Def Leppard, um, and I was able to kind of meet him um, because he was third on the bill, and his dressing room was kind of accessible. And I kind of just knocked on the door. I had a stack of pictures and handed them to his, uh, actually it was Ian Pace, who was his drummer from Deep Purple. Um, and um, I handed the pictures. They invited me backstage. And they gave me my very first photo pass for the very next day at Hartford Civic Center uh, to see them. Um, I was already in college. And there backstage, I, I saw a friend of mine from New York that I see at concerts, and he introduced me to a editor of a new magazine, uh, a guy named John Sticks. He edited the magazine called Guitar for the Practicing Musician. And again, I always carried photos with me. I had my cameras with me and so on. Showed him my photos. He loved my Eddie Van Halen photos, my Randy Rhodes photos, and a few other things. And he said, can I start using these and you know it started paying me and this and that and that's how i kind of got started in the professional aspect of it um this is 1983 mid-1983 um i eventually you know went to school for four years graduate college still taking pictures going shooting every show there is comes that come mostly in hartford because hartford there was basically one photographer me maybe a maybe a news magazine photographer i mean a newspaper photographer also but it it kept me away from new york because you go you go take pictures of madison Square garden just 40 photographers there well not maybe 40 but a lot and it was hard to get past but i managed to get things because i was staying in hartford so i advanced my way and i got forward and i graduated college um i had made a trip to california um right before or right at the beginning of 1986 right before i graduated to attend the nam show which is a big musicians kind of thing and still taking pictures and this and that and i decided i wanted to move to california eventually and further up and that's where rock and roll is um i graduated college tell i tell and i didn't want to also live under my father's reign of get a job, do this, you're okay, that's over, you just graduate college, you know, I don't want to be a rock and photographer. I was already a rock and photographer, but I wanted to further it. So I moved to California, um, Hollywood, California. And I had heard, and I first get there, and within the first week I'm there, I see a big sign saying, uh, I, I live near the comedy store, and there's a big sign saying, Sam Kinison appearing this weekend. Now, I knew of Sam Kinison from back to school and his HBO special. And this guy, he I thought he was the funniest comedian around. I was a big fan of comedy. Always liked Cheech and Chong, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Sam Kinison, Ronnie Dangerfield. So I went to see Sam Kinison. Actually, my father was with me. He was in town kind of helping me move. You know, he kind of welcomed, you know, decided, okay, that's going to be your decision. I'll help you, whatever. Take him to see it. He, well, he wasn't the biggest fan, but we went to see Sam. It was great. Loved it. Didn't couldn't bring my camera. Couldn't you know? It was a comedy store. They wouldn't let you. Very next day, I have a. I'm photographing Ted Nugent with a band called Black and Blue opening up, and a band called Guns and Roses, who were not signed, or were just signed. Maybe they didn't have an album out. They were first on the bill. And um, I had never heard of them. And I went backstage and uh, I'm sorry, I'm backstage to photograph Ted. And while Guns N' Roses was on, I maybe shot a song of theirs. I maybe shot maybe less than a roll of film. And I'm backstage and I run into a guy named Carla Bove. Carla Bove was Sam's best friend. 
and the opening comedian of Sam, of Sam the night before, I mean, of every night. And um, I said, oh, I know you, I recognize you. I saw, went to your show last night, saying, so he says hello, walks to me, and he goes, so Sam's here. Sam's a friend of Ted Nugent's. I'm like, wow, introduce me to Sam. And I'm like, literally a 22-year-old kid. I just moved to California. I've been here less than a month. And um, he introduced me to Sam, and I was working for Billboard magazine at the time. And I said to Sam, um, can I take a picture of you and Ted together? And I would get it published in Billboard magazine. And he's, he did, Sam was just starting to make it big. Still, you know, nothing, nothing great. But he was, he was, he was Sam Kennison, but he, he wasn't a big, and he was a big fan of rock and roll. He said, sure, and he welcomes me, and he take a picture, and then we become kind of friendly right away. We talk, I tell him who I am, tell him I'm the big fan. He invites me back to the comedy store after the show. Uh, we all go back, Ted, Sam, me, Carl, and I'm, you know, I'm like, wow, this is like my first superstar meeting. You know, he's not even a superstar, but you know, someone I envy or something, or someone I am a fan of. And um, we went out to Thai food at two o'clock. We took some pictures more at the comedy store. Sam performed in front of Ted. We took some more pictures, and the comedy store really didn't allow photographers, but Sam was kind of the boss there he was really he was the he was kind of a uh um a very dominant kind of figure and everyone looked up to him and he could whatever he said happened so he goes oh this guy's with me he's my photographer he's gonna take a few pictures and then we went out for dinner uh at two o'clock in the morning me sam ted and i'm like i'm not gonna get in a candy store and um and I and I and Sam basically said, "Oh, come back tomorrow. I'm here every night. Come back. I perform here every night. Um, as always, rockers bring that night. Can I bring some people? I know a few people. Bring them, bring them down. And basically, that's how our friendship became. Um, unfortunately, later on, we you know we also kind of um, well, I wouldn't say unfortunately, it was the way the '80s were. We partied a lot." And I was I was a young naive kid, but we'd go and party, and we, you know, and kind of got introduced to cocaine and a few other things, and that's what Sam did, and that's what the comedians did, and, but that's that's how it's a way of life, and that's what rock and roll did. It was more of a status; it really wasn't a drug. It was kind of like oh, we could party you know, and party with celebrities, and every night we kind of. But, you know, and I'd go see Sam almost every night. I'd bring rockers down, meet him, and became we became friends. And he goes, and he goes I'm going to call you every time I know someone's going to come down, and you're going to take pictures, which is, you saw a lot of the pictures in the Brother Sam uh, thing of, of Sam with every celebrity. Um, I'm the only one with those photos. I'm the only photographer that's there. I was the only photographer I was invited. Um, and I managed to get that. And you know, and further my Sam's relationship and friendship, and but also, you know, it kind of got crazy and partying and so on. And you know, I turned into a little uh, living the life in Hollywood. You know, living in Hollywood, you know, uh, you know, in my twenties and going to the Rainbow every night and going to the Roxy and hanging out on the Sunset Strip and seeing all the bands. And you know, I'm still a rock and roll photographer. Um, and, um, you know, selling my pictures, that's why I made a living, and, you know, that's how I, you know, somewhat living, but, you know, and um, that's kind of how it advanced from there, you know, and, um, I, and you know, I hung out with Sam for maybe a couple more years until it got too crazy, and I basically had to, um, I got in a little trouble, a little legal trouble, kind of, possession, cocaine possession, but I was saying that. And it kind of took away a few jobs from me and I and I basically had to stop hanging out and um get sober and become um a uh you know just go go forward into a different field because to yeah when you get sober in this go to I had to go to rehab I spent nine months in a rehab facility that was my sentence that was my because I was a first offender 
got a good lawyer. I got myself a, managed to get myself a um, reduced case and um, and uh, moved on to a different field because I couldn't hang around with the rockers anymore because that's where, you know, to stay sober and become a straight individual and kind of move on into the 90s. But, you know, so that's kind of how it was in the, you know, rock and roll 80s as a photographer. I could answer more questions. I'll sure, tell you more sure, stories. Sure. That was just giving you the little biography. No, that was yeah. perfect. That was perfect. Was, was, was there ever a point that your dad approved of what you were doing? Did he ever yeah. say, I'm the one who gave you the camera and now you've, you've actually had this successful career. Was there a moment where he said, congratulations or yeah, just- he, saw, he saw me get published. He was, he, he was happy to show uh, my published photos and magazines. Look at my son. He's a, rock and photography he took this photo yeah yeah you know i had my photos all over the wall when i was a kid yeah it was he he welcomed it you know he it wasn't his choice he was a businessman but and uh but he he welcomed it you know he was a father you know and he was you know he's proud of his son and you had like it sounds like so you got your camera at 16 and then by college, you were already doing these big shows. So you mentioned, you know, if you went to Madison Square Garden, there'd be a bunch of other photographers. So it wasn't like there was no competition. How how were you able, what was it just you you started off doing these smaller shows and just kind of people saw you did good work and worked your way up the ladder that way? Is that how you're able to kind of so quickly ascend? Yeah, I mean, it, things were different. You could just walk in with a camera. So, you know, and I became friendly with a lot of the ticket scalpers always managed to get in the fronts you know me and a few other photographers that that all kind of around my time all of us kind of fighting in that way a few other uh friends of mine and we had all be in the front taking pictures there'd be a few people in the pit and taking their pictures and the professionals but yeah i would um but i went to the big shows right away i went to Madison garden and took you know took big photos everywhere everywhere can go and like i said i would travel to england and even before i was professional and then i became professional and then i started getting photo passes so i started being part of the press and being able to get be in the pit and be clearance and then get paid for my photos and get professionally paid even though i was already making money selling my photos to record stores to at conventions in front of concerts wherever i could yeah yeah so it's just a matter of, of you just said hey i'm gonna do whatever i can do to make this work exactly did, was there ever what did you study in college uh communications um kind of um um nothing you know just kind of just took courses what i could you know just try to do what i it wasn't really anything i was looking for you know to get a job but, but I, I you know it was kind of um you know, took some film courses, took some regular courses, computer courses, courses, but, you know, computers were brand new then. They weren't even, all the computer courses I I learned were, 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 okay. were not even important the next year because the personal computer came out around 87. Right. And it's all different and so on. So in college was just, you get a degree basically. yeah yeah did you did you have a plan b like when you when you went to la and you said hey i'm gonna try to just make it as a photographer did you have a plan b did you say hey uh, you know if it doesn't work i'm gonna fall back on my degree and do whatever no, no you no no i i, I try to get a job in the music business yeah i try to be you know some kind of record company kind of person i you know my my and my father did what he can to help me yeah he with some people and I'll call this person, call that person, but really had no success into becoming either an AR guy or being a, you know, mailroom guy and work my way up. Like, you know, like David Geffen did or, you know, all those other top executives of, of music, you know, so, but no, I just became a rock and photographer and I managed to survive for a couple of years being doing that. Nothing great, like a big living. Right. You know, enough to pay my rent every month and you know then also pay my part you know and pay for everything else which i'm sure like that alone puts you in at the top you know one percent of people trying to make it as photographers right i mean yeah. how many people are there trying to do it who can't pay many. their rent from doing there it? there wasn't many there wasn't many yeah. photographers there wasn't many of us 
uh, unlike now where everyone's a photographer right. and they don't make money. Most of them don't make money. There's a few that do make money, but most of them don't. Um, and uh, they're just doing it for fun because right. they can. They can be a photographer. It's a, it's a different game now. It's no more film. It's no more, you don't have to pay for film. You don't have to pay for this. You don't have to pay for that. You have to take as many pictures as you want. You can edit them in Photoshop. You can do this. You can see the photo right away. It's a different game. So, you know. I, I think that's so similar to, to so many areas of, of entertainment and art now is that the barriers to entry are so much lower. So it's easier if you want to do this stuff to do it. But now because of that, there's also so much more competition that it's hard to be the person to, to break through and actually yeah. make a career doing it. It's like being a musician. You could, you know, back then you had to get signed to be noticed. Yeah. To get a record out, you had to get signed. You had to do it. Now you can put a video on YouTube. You could put a thing on Instagram. You can make your own campaign. You could do really anything you want. But there's an enormous amount of people doing it. I said to somebody yesterday, I go, if I go, if I was still taking pictures, I wouldn't even know where to even follow. There's so many people, so many bands, so many things of interest. Yeah, you you couldn't take pictures of them all. You can, you know, it just it would be there'd be I'd be overwhelmed. Right. Sure. Oh, but you know, but I don't do that anymore. So I don't know. What was your relationship with artists besides Sam? Did other artists want to hang out with you the same way he did? Did you have a close relationship with them? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was a, I was a cool kid. I was a, like the party, like that fun. They like people like me. I'm like a little guy, so hung out with you know bands like Guns N' Roses and um, um, let's see, uh, just tons of the '80s metal bands, Poison. Um, Mobby Crew, whoever else was, I knew them all, you know, got to meet them all through my photography and hung out and, you know, and take a lot to see Sam and uh, met a lot of comedians, became friendly with a lot of comedians, got to meet tons of people, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, legendary comedian, Rodney Danger, hung out with Rodney very many times. Rodney was a fun guy, partier. Like the party, Ronnie was Ronnie was a unique guy, um, and so was Sam. Sam was a lot of fun, really was. You know, he was, uh, and probably one of the most talented comedians around there. But he had his demons. Uh, he was very. He tried to be very powerful, and he ruined. He ruined his own career too. You know, he kind of didn't make it like he should have. And he partied too much, and he and people, you know, and he ruined a lot of opportunities, a lot of film roles, and you know, eventually led to his demise. Even though he didn't die from drugs, he would have probably died. It's just ironic that he was killed by a drunk driver. Right. What was yeah. different? What was different about the way Sam was partying compared to you know these huge acts that you were partying? You know, Guns and Roses and and ACDC and and all these guys. I mean, everyone was partying then. So how? How were they able to to kind of still be able to be as big as they were and be as successful as they were doing what they were doing on, you know, at, at 4 a.m.? It's the way the business was. Yeah. Uh, partying wasn't, a, you know, it was all part of the business. People partied. People, you know, just just the way it was. You know, Guns N' Roses, yeah, Aerosmith, big partiers, you know, and uh um, but yeah, Guns N' Roses survived, um, and they, but they were so good that, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, all these bands, they just, you know, they, it's how it, how it was. It really, um, it really wasn't, um, anything unique, just the way the business was. And, um, they, it was like a trade-off, you know, oh, well, we got to deal with the partying, you know, these bands are so good, that's just the way it is, people welcome the backstage, you know, the girls, the partying, you know, if you saw the movie Almost Famous, you said, it's all true, you know, all the crazy girls backstage and all the fun and all the Hollywood, Hollywood was, you know, Hollywood Did was... Did start. the girls did the girls spill down to you? Like, did the band take a certain number of girls, and there's there's some left over that would say, "Oh yeah, I'll go with the photographer." Like, no, were, I, were you uh, able to enjoy the the <laughs> the mystique of of the band? I I, I had my share, but I I don't think it was that way. Yeah, uh, 
I, I, I uh, you know, I didn't get the uh, the leftovers or something <laughs> like that. I met my own people, you know. Yeah. Being being who I was, you know. Yeah. Was was there anything? Because, like you said, I mean, there's been a million movies and documentaries and biopics about what it was like, you know, partying with these bands in the '80s. Was there anything that they didn't capture? Is there anything that that you think was unique about that time or that you experienced that you you haven't seen portrayed? No, well, about about there's been every documentary out now. There's eight billion documentaries. Everything's yeah. portrayed. Every book's written. Uh, eventually, my book will be written. Uh, hopefully within the next year or so. Oh, cool. Yeah, people are just bugging me for it. And I got a few people interested in helping me write it. And, or just, uh, so a little bit more than just a photo book. But I don't know. It, it was something that will eventually happen. But um, yeah, no, everything's been portrayed. There's no secrets anymore. You know, a few, sure. few secret stories, but nothing, 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 nothing that will surprise anybody. Do you think Sam, you know, because Bill writes in the book a lot about kind of the people who are around Sam and they they really enabled him to, to do all the, the partying he was doing and to really go overboard. And and I think that, like the big difference with Sam was he was partying so much that he was missing all these important meetings like that's he had these meetings set up to, to do movies and shows and he just yeah. he just would sleep right through them like again and again and again. Yeah. And yeah. that seemed to be what destroyed him. And yeah. these hangers on just just didn't it didn't bother them. They just they wanted it him to party again the next day. They couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. They wanted to be part of the crew. You just have to keep your mouth shut and follow Sam. Otherwise, you're not on Sam's side, and Sam will just shoot you down and you won't make, you know, you kind of had to follow follow the leader. And Sam was the leader. Sam yeah. was still a legend, even though he wasn't as successful as he should have been. But Sam was a you know, you had to follow his way. You had to be his person. So you had to be on his side. If you had a problem with that, you know. Did you did, like? Did you have any kind of run-ins as far as that went, or were you just you were just there to to enjoy yourself? Like you weren't. Were you part of kind of that inner circle that that Bill kind of talks about? Like there was the 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 guy who was in charge of Sam's security, who was kind of giving him drugs. I was always welcome. I was always welcome to. I wasn't. You know, I fucked up a few times. You know, uh, I party too much sometimes, and you know, oh, Dave, you got, you know, Dave's got, you know, he's a little, you know, got a little, you know, did a few stupid things, say a few stupid things, you know, whatever. And and there was a few times when I had to kind of uh, um, stay away or you know go away on my own and come back. But I was, you know, but I really know I I was yeah I was part of the inner circle, Sam. Sure. Yeah. Were you, you mentioned getting arrested for possession. That Was that different than the time Bill wrote in the book about, because this was the middle of, of the say no to drugs and, and the war on drugs. And, and I guess the FBI was looking at Sam because he, he was well known for being a partier. And there was a point where Sam, Sam and the, the entourage were getting ready to get on a plane to go to a show. The FBI stopped them. And they found drugs, and Bill ended up taking the fall. The drugs were in Sam's suitcase, yeah. but Bill took the fall. What That's was the story he tells? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just, okay. I don't know exactly what happened. That's Sam. That's the story that Bill tells. I mean, no, no, no. Um, were you there for that? No, I definitely. I wasn't there. No, okay. I. I didn't travel with Sam. Um, I stayed in Hollywood most of the time, my own thing. But um, I'm and I might have gotten in trouble because of that. Oh, interesting. Um, um, that's what someone told me. Well, he, it, he, were, he was forced to review a few names and might have, might have said, "Oh, there's this guy in Hollywood that you know always has drugs." You know, I don't know. I don't know what's drive. I I was told stories. Nothing. I I don't know. It's it's. I really can't sure. uh, firm anything that happened. But you know, it is what it is. It probably saved my life. So you think it, it might not have actually gone exactly as Bill wrote about it in, in the book, no. is what you're saying? No. Um, I don't know if Sam would have really gotten tr um, got in trouble about it. Sam, you know, paid his, paid his price and his things and, you know, and, you know, managed to survive. Yeah, and Bill took a little brunt of it. I don't think Bill paid any kind of legal penalty. He didn't go to jail. He didn't go to this, you know, just... I don't remember Bill being around a lot. Yeah. Bill might have been on the road a lot with Sam, but I wasn't part of that. Um, 
I don't know about Bill now. I know Bill now. We're friendly now. Uh, Facebook friends, kind of. We see when we when he comes to Vegas, says hello, see each other. Um, you know, I um, I got credited afterwards for that book, and you know, made some money from it afterwards. Uh, not before, um, but you know, some things. Were, Photos were just used, kind of. Oh, these were hanging around in Sam's possession. I always would get Sam my photos and so okay. on. But we all later settled everything and figured out, you know, what was a good compensation. And I've been, you know, and I've enjoyed some, you know, good dividends from Sam's photos. And later on in the HB, uh, Showtime series, I think we recently came out. Then there was a another show that came out somewhere else and a few others and whenever sam gets published they come to me for my photos and so so you know when you you mentioned that you got into some legal trouble hanging out with sam what was what can you tell that story well i just got i you know i was all i always had drugs on me i was you know i was i like the party i like the you know and i became an, an, a cocaine addict and i was you know i was known as always the guy that had you know always had blow you know always you know something and uh, i got busted for possession and you know and uh basically that was it small time but enough to pay a penalty if 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 i didn't have a good lawyer if i would have lost the case if i was a repeat offender, but I wasn't. I was the first time uh um first up offender, got a good lawyer. My mother helped me. Father really didn't want anything to do with me after that. Eventually, you know, when I was in rehab, he came back and kind of, you know, you know, supported his son because his son was getting better. And, you know, I went to rehab. I did all one shot. I mean I, you know, I never got in trouble again as far as cocaine was involved and uh and i hadn't haven't done it since you know it was 1989 it's a long time from now and sure i've been around it you know sure but i never had to kind of go back into it never went back into the business and you know i still see friends i still see you know people that uh uh in a rock and roll business and you know i went to saw my old friend cc deville from poison last week he played here and he's like says i see him backstage and he, he hooked me up for passes he's like we're not supposed to be here you know he's like you know uh we we weren't supposed to survive you know we we did some crazy things and you know we lived to tell about he looked great you know i i look I'm good i got forward i got you know i i still survive i done many different things i became a professional poker player for many years at a clothing business and now I work in the production part of um events and so on and you know I'm 58 years old and I'm still standing and living to talk about it do you think the the art the music and the comedy that came out of that era could have still happened if it weren't for the drugs like do you think the drugs are part of that the creativity of that era yeah I think I think just drugs paid played a big part in music and in in comedy. So many comedians were partiers. Um, some you wouldn't even know about, um, and it just just the way it was. Um, and um, I think it, it helped with the creativity. Sam, a lot of jokes, Sam's jokes were about drugs and. A lot of rock and roll, a lot of music is about drugs. If you listen to all Guns N' Roses songs, you know, all about heroin or cocaine or this and that. And there's tons of songs about partying and weed. And that's just how it is. It's how the world was. Um, I don't know if it could have survived without it. It still happens now. Right. It's different drugs now. Right. It's just the way the world is. And a lot of people still are, you know, getting in trouble and you hear about it all the time and you, you know look at all the 90s look at all the uh grunge acts that ended up you know Kurt Cobain's and the you know, all the other um singers from those acts that are no longer with us tons yeah. of brothers it know. does it's 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 this weird 
dichotomy, not even dichotomy, but but just it seems like to be an artist, to be someone who's pushing the boundaries of of your music or your comedy, whatever your your field is, you you have to kind of live on the edge. And part of that goes yeah. with doing drugs. Again, if you're if you're doing those hard drugs, you're living on the edge. You don't know when those things might kill you. And in some like twisted way, it almost goes hand in hand with a lot of people. It seems like yeah, everyone's got their demons. Everyone's got their fun. Everyone wants to have fun. It's, it's looked at as you know, it's uh, just how the world is. It's how the world turns. Uh, no one's a uh, choir boy. Yeah. Do you think Sam's demons? You know, Bill talks about how Sam got hit by a car when he was three. And he thought that was really the turning point in Sam's general personality. That he was cool. It's hard to tell when you're three, kind of, you know, how your personality changed. When you know you're barely talking and walking at that point. But that Bill really seemed to put a lot of the emphasis on Sam's change, being that that car accident. I mean, what, what, I don't know how he was when he was two. Right, right. You know, I mean, it's not like Sam was anybody when he was two. To see right. change when he was three, are you really not anybody when you're three? So. I don't know if I really believe that. Um, because Sam went on to become a preacher. He followed in his parents' footsteps and was a minister for many years. That's how he became, he had the delivery of his comedy. You know, how he walked back and forth. He was really a preacher. Yeah. He preached comedy. Um, that might be, you know, he might have some brain damage, but it did, you know, at three to lead to uh, drugs at 21 or whenever Sam got into drugs. I don't know when Sam got into drugs. He kind of got into the business late. Sam was um, already in his 30s, I guess, when he was a uh, successful comedian. Right. So he died when he was 39. So he didn't, he didn't have a, much of a career. And I was then yeah. So he was already, you know, so... Um, I don't know when he started. I don't know his life story. And I don't know if Bill knows his exact life story. I don't know if Bill was around for his year, but he told the story. And, you know, yeah. Did, did Sam talk? I mean, so many of his demons he talked about on stage. He talked about his failed marriages and, and all of his relationship issues. Was there anything that he talked to you about, you know, behind the scenes that you thought contributed to, to those demons? Was there anything that he was there anything that he wouldn't talk about on stage? I guess is the question. No, no, <laughs> he had no filter. There wasn't anything he wouldn't talk about. Sam was um, Sam was unique. Um, not that I remember. I can't remember yeah. anything that you know. No, Sam was you know Sam was Sam was a legend. He really was. You know, later on, you know, we heard some things about him that were not so happy with but you know it's 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 the way it was um but uh sam was um sam was probably one of the funniest people i've ever met and i've been i've seen tons of comedy and tons of uh been around all he just was very he just had a i always think of what would sam think of the world today how would sam take a you know, say the pandemic or even the, I mean, this, he's been gone for 30 years. A lot has happened in 30 years. Social media, all this kind of stuff. You see how people have changed. You see how comedians have changed. Just, if Sam would have changed, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's always the hard part is you know these people in a certain era and you would love to see how they would react to the current era. And there's just, there's no way of predicting that. Right. What made Sam stick out to you compared? I mean, you saw, like you said, you got to spend time with the greatest comedians of all time, Carlin and Pryor. What, why was Sam the one who, who stuck out to you? Well, I spent the most time with him. I met those other guys. I really okay. hang out with Rodney a couple of times. Uh, but Sam was the one I got to hang out with. Just Sam was the, I just thought the funniest really was. He had a different delivery in his comedy. And I try to tell people about it. a lot of people just, you know, a lot don't know who he was. Right. Try to tell people, look at him up. You want to see a funny comedian talk about Bill Burr. I know Bill Burr's got most of his stuff. From I'm sure Bill Burr knows who Sam Kinison was. Right. Um, and all these other big comedians that are out now. Um, and they all, um, Sam, yeah, Sam never got his right. Never had his big hit movie. Um, wasn't like a 
you know, people more like, you know, the John Belushi or the Chris Farley. Um, they all had their, and they all had their demise too, their Sam demise. Uh, but they all died of drugs. You know, we didn't get to see Sam die of drugs. Sam died of car accident. And and the way Bill tells it is, is he was clean or relatively clean towards the end. Did you? Yeah, know? he just got married. Yeah. Um, I wasn't in touch with him then. I was already gone from the fold. Um, I was already in and out of. I already got out. You know, uh, got, you know, I re- got arrested in '89. Did my rehab. I was in, and I was already on to a different business. I still live in Hollywood. I'd run into Sam. Oh, you got to come over. We got to look at all the pictures. We got to do things. You know, we never got to spend that time again. I uh, never really got to see Sam in the nineties. Not that I even recall. Um, and um, but um, I went on to a different life, and uh, I hear that. Sam, I remember he getting the phone call. Sam died, and I remember, and I went to the funeral. Saw all my old friends. Um, yeah, it was a. He died two weeks after my father passed away. Wow. Um, I went to two funerals in a month, um, and you know, two people I looked up to. Uh, my father died tragically, also. And, uh, he died from a hospital mistake, from just a minor surgery. And then, uh, and Sam died. I remember getting that phone call, you know, and, you know, that's how it was. You got a phone call, it wasn't, there was no news, there was no, it kind of snuck around the comedy store, and then someone called. You got Sam Donovan. You know, then there was another news, and you know, it kind of snuck around Hollywood, and it got all the, all the billboards and the, the marquees of the comedy store and the Sunset Strip. We miss you, Sam, and so on. And you know, at the funeral, and it's basically you know how it went. You know, and I've heard the story a million. You know, I've I know all the people that were in the car next to him. Uh, there was a caravan of cars. Well, not a caravan. It was a it was Sam's. Sam liked to drive. Um, apparently, they met in Vegas. Um, Sam drove his car. Or something. I think that's how it was. And they drove up the loft, driving up the Laughlin. And there was com- there was a van of comedians. Most of them are unfortunately not around anymore. Uh, most of them are passed on, but but a few of them are still around and live to tell the story. Um, Bill was there. Bill saw it. Um, I think Bill was there. I'm not sure Bill was there. Yeah. Um, Carla Bow briefly passed away. Um, he had his. He had a few. He he tells his own story of Sam, and he had a few. Uh, learned a few things about Sam after Sam died, which, you know, I guess he remembered Sam in a different way, and but eventually forgave him. Um, and um, Sam's uh, wife at the time he just got married. She's still around, um, you know, and uh, and and so on. And um, it's you know, it's a sad story. It's a sad ending to what could have been. You know, a great comedian could have gone on, but it always had John Belushi. I mean, look at that, Chris Farley. Another talent uh, gone too soon, and tons of others. Uh, yeah. I can't even recall uh, actors, comedians, rock stars. Well, you know, it's how it happens. You know, die too soon, die too young. It's, you, know. you said you spent a lot of time at the comedy store. Did you get to know Mitzi Short, all the owner of the yeah, store? Yeah, yeah. I knew Mitzi very well, um, and I'm friendly with her son, Paulie Short, now. And he okay. lives out here in Vegas, and we. Uh, We've got to hang out, and he's sharing a lot of my photos of Sam um, in his upcoming. Um, he's doing an upcoming Netflix thing. Oh, great! That's a great story because he unfortunately lost his whole family recently. His mother died, his father died, his sister died, all within the last two years, and so he's doing a he's doing some great comedy stuff. He's got a great comedy act. Um, now he's tours around the tours around the U.S. So if you ever plays your town, go see him. He's great. Um, he's he's very different from the Paulie Shore we all knew in the '90s. Um, 
he's not the goofball he was. And he's very kind of, uh, he's, he's come to realize, you know, he's sad, you know, but that's how it is. But he's also still, he's still got the little quality in him. Um, yeah, so I knew Met City and I still, you know, but I never really went back to hang out at the comedy store after that time. Maybe a few times, but nothing really beyond that. But I mean, you were there, you always see, you found yourself in the middle of such big cultural moments because the comedy store in, in the 70s and 80s was the place to be for comedy. You, you know, you sure. had Pryor, you had Sam and, and Robin Williams and, and the biggest name yeah. in comedy. Well, what do you think was unique about what Mitzi and, and the store were doing at that point? Um, it was just the place to be. She um, saw she had a great eye of talent to know who was to be the next comedian. You play some, and you didn't get you didn't make money at the comedy store. Comedy store was the showcase. Comedy store, you did your time. She didn't pay any. You know that's just how it was. If you saw the Showtime special, they made a little bit of money, but no, no, really, they, that's where they kind of got introduced to the art, to the TV shows, Carson Moore, it's where the, um, or the TV, you know, comedy writers and get shows on NBC and, you know, people like Seinfeld and George Wallace and uh, the Living Color guys, um, Damon Wayans and the Keenan Wayans and all those, all those, all those guys were there. Louis Anderson, uh, um, Dice, Dice, Dice was there, big, big time. What know? was Sam's relationship with Dice? Because it, it, it kind of, he's mentioned a couple of times in the book, and it seemed like Sam. I don't know if he it, he wasn't the biggest fan of Dice. It was hard to kind of get a, a, an idea of what his relationship was with Dice. They were friends, but there was a rivalry there. You know, Sam wanted to be the top. You know, Sam was the top dog. And if anyone was in his way, you know, he was. Um, you, you, you know, Sam was going to win. So Dice probably didn't make it until. Um, Sam Sam already made it. He made it after Sam, and then Dice became his big old thing. Yeah, there was room. There's room for two. You know, just like in rock and roll, there's room for many bands. So you know, Dice eventually made it. His he showed his talent came out, and you know, did his thing, and he got his popularity. And 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 Dice is great. I still see Dice running the Dice a few times, and uh, you know, he's still performing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Does a lot of movies now. Doesn't do much performing anymore. Doesn't do much comedy. He was doing a little out here. He had a little residency in Vegas that he was doing. He was living in Vegas, but he don't live here anymore. He moved. I think he moved back to LA. And he does a few movies and does and but you really don't hear much about him a lot. What was your favorite bit of Sam's? Um The very first stuff, the um, basically, which everyone loves, is when it was first special. When he, you know, um, when he talks about Africa, you know, the feeding the kids in Africa, and you know, you got to go to food, you know, that's, that, that stuff was genius. Yeah, you know, you know, it's like you know, the camera guy's there. Don't give him any food yet. You know, yeah. it's screaming at you. you know, it's like, don't feed him yet. It's probably freaking true. Yeah, you know, I mean, how did they get that? How do they get that stuff on film? You know, it's, you, you wonder how they get, you know, all that stuff. They do commercials, you know, and all that. Oh, you know, it's, it's Hollywood. <laughs> and I'll have to link to that clip in the show notes so people know what we're talking about. Because that, that is one of the greatest comedic bits of all time. That's what, what turned me on to Sam. I mean, I was like, wow, this guy's hilarious. <laughs> you know, just 20 years old, probably myself, 21 years old. Yeah. And that's what made me like, wow, this guy is... And then the back to school, you know, a little part in back to school when he's the, oh, the teacher. You know? I mean, I still describe that. Yeah, that's how I describe Sam. I'm like, yeah, I agree with Sam Kennedy. Like, no, I never heard of Sam Kennedy. Like, oh, do you ever see a movie back to school? Do you remember this, the teacher that screamed? And, you know, well, but yeah, like I said, Sam, there's not much on Sam. Yeah. Really can't, you know, you, you don't have the, uh, you know, you don't have the animal houses. Like, you can look back at John Belushi. You know, John Belushi right. didn't have a long career. He had a very short career. You know? 
same with all the others and farley yeah and it, and you're farley, right i guess farley, i never farley, you know I, I never thought it that way because when I talk to people my age or people younger, I, like you said, Sam's not very well known. People do know Pryor and Carlin and, and Farley and Belushi. Farley was on Saturday Night Live. He yeah. Was a big and he did those movies with uh, David Spade. Spade. Yeah. And there was, you know, his funny bits on TV. Yeah, Sam wasn't on TV every week. Chris Farley was. Every week he was on that show, SNL, and, you know, and did his thing. So people know of those people. Sam, yeah, Sam kind of snuck by, you know. He had the, I wouldn't say underground, I mean, but he was, you know, he didn't didn't get to be the thing, you know. Even Rodney was huge, you know. All of Rodney did, did huge Rodney Dangerfield movies, you know. You could still describe, oh, everyone knows what Rodney Dangerfield is, you know. And he's been dead for almost 20 years already. Do, but do you think that his influence outweighs his influence i guess within the the art of comedy outweighs his influence within the larger society like you said like bill burr sure you think shares a lot of of i don't know if he really shares sam's demeanor or cadence but i guess i guess that's a lot of his jokes i hear i hear you know it's oh, really a joke that he said i'm like that's sam's joke wow you know or that's a a, a version of a sam joke Right. I, what it was. It was a I, I haven't heard that. But you know. But but so but he had an he had an impact, is what you're saying. He had a, he had an impact 30 years later. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you could you could tell certain jokes so many different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, it's eight billion pandemic jokes. A lot of them sound the same. So who right. came up with the first pandemic joke? Right. Who became the who? came out with the first Trump joke or, you know, or it's hard to say. It's really, you know, it's just everyone has a certain spin on their own, you know, and they're, they're turning to their delivery and, you know, and. Well, uh, David, this has been really an excellent talk. I don't want to keep you any longer, but for anyone interested, if you want to check out David's Instagram page, it's great. He shares all of his old pictures that he took of, of all these bands in the 80s. Is there anywhere else you want to direct people about? On my website, I have a, a website called uh, Vintage Music Images. Um, you can also find it under davidplastic.com. Uh, you can just Google, Google my name. Um, I'm sure links to photos will come up, but... Instagram is probably the, that's kind of where I'm found the most these days. And I share pictures of my rock and roll days, my comedy days, uh, my dogs, you know, so on. Awesome. That's, that's what you see there. Is there anything, anything else about Sam that you wanted to mention that we didn't talk about? No, I think we covered everything. Um, Sam was, you know, um, Sam was a unique individual and, you know, and, and if you get a chance, I'm sure you could find some of this comedy on YouTube. You find the old HBO specials and you'll never laugh as hard. Yeah. I'll make sure I link to all that so people can find that easily. But David, thank you so much again for your time. I really do appreciate it. Take care. Take care.